Uh, isn't, that, isn't that cool? Some um, but, uh, 40, I believe, this year. 35 to 40. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's a big deal. I mean, it is a big deal. For a church our size to baptize that many people, is, it's, it's an amazing thing. So good job, church. Thank you for, for bringing people to church that need, yeah, that's a good thing. Um, well, good morning. Uh, let's see. What do you want to talk about? Uh, I, I have got something. I do, I do. Um, um, Wednesday nights is going to be a good, good season. We're going to... Um, it's going to be a little bit more than just a Bible study. We're going to we're going to get we're going to start off with just we're going to kind of give a we're going to do a pilot on um, on the authority of the Bible on you know it, it, um, how do you know that the Bible is reliable? How does does it really apply to your life? So it's we're going to do three weeks of it, and it's going to be it's going to be kind of an academic setting. So it's going to be it's going to be some difficult not difficult, but you're, you're going to have homework and things like that. It's, it's, if you're hungry, you need to show up, basically. So it's going to be an in-depth look at, at the Bible. Again, we're going to be looking, we're going to open it up uh, with, uh, is it reliable? And how do you know that the Bible is reliable? And so we're, we're going to look at some very specific things for the first three weeks, and then we're going to jump into the book of Acts. And so it's going to be, it will be really good. So if you're hungry, you need to come. Uh, it's going to be a school of the Bible, and we'll probably even call it that, School of the Bible. So I would encourage you guys to come to that. Um, and uh, let's see. Well, that's the only thing I really need to say there. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about Mary. And when we were doing worship, I was like, man, I'm going to be focusing my entire message on the greatest woman that's ever lived. And um, we don't have any women represented on the stage this morning. <laughs> so we're just really man-heavy this morning. So uh, we're, no, we know we're not usually like that. But... Um, but it's interesting. I was like, hmm. Okay. But Mary, Mary, quite possibly the greatest person, the greatest individual that's ever walked the planet. And we'll, we'll look into some specifics on that and, and what that really means and kind of how I'm going to frame it. But uh, before we get into the word, let's go ahead and open in prayer. If you'd bow your heads with me, it'd be great. Father, we, we thank you for your presence here. We thank you for your healing presence. And again, we petition you to heal Willie's body. God, we thank you that, uh, that there's a church family that loves him, that, is, uh, that has come beside him and his family, supported them, moved them in the process. They, they were actually moving. So thank you that, that we have a family that cares for our own. But God, we need, uh, we need leaders in our church. And he's a key leader. And I just pray that you would just you would restore him fully back to his position and back to his state of health, actually make him healthier. God, right now, uh, I just pray that you will bless this message. I pray that, that your word that comes out of the book, God, it will be alive, that it will be active, and I pray that our, our hearts will open up, our ears will, will open up so we can hear, our eyes will be able to see your glory. God, I just pray that you will just reveal yourself today through, the, through your word. Amen. Amen. All right, um, we're gonna look at uh, we're gonna look at the shepherd scene. So remember that we did. Have you already checked out a nativity? Or are you still living in there? You know, I'm out. I've checked out a nativity, but uh, we're gonna look at the shepherd scene again, and we're gonna look at Mary. Uh, I think we 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 did eat each scene like something like three hundred times. I know it's crazy, huh? Um, 
So yeah, we're going to do it again today. So if you're, just when you thought that you were tired of hearing it. Um, all right, uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. We'll start at 8. <clears throat> and there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. That's, a, that's an appropriate response when a big giant angel shows up. You just, <laughs> you just, it, there's, there's like you're either terrified or you're just kind of in shock. You, it, you know, I've actually seen an angel before. It was interesting, very interesting. It was, uh, it, it takes your breath away. You just can't really, you just, you just kind of, I don't know. It's a very surreal experience. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's, it's weird. But anyway, but that's the proper response. You're supposed to be scared. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Okay? It's for everybody. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ. Christ means anointed. Uh, Christ is the Greek version of Messiah. Messiah is the Hebrew version. Christ is the Greek. It means anointed. It's the Savior. This will be a sign to you. You will find him wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger, a food trough. Okay. Suddenly, a great companion of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to whom uh, his favor rests. Okay, so here's the scene. You have one angel. He gives the declaration. The guys are scared. And, and, and if that wasn't enough, after the declaration, uh, heaven literally opens up, and now you have a million angels. So you thought you were scared before. Now you have this cosmic rock show that is just beyond anything anybody's ever seen before. Heaven has literally opened up, and you, and you, you, have, you have an experience that, that, that's, that's off the charts. Uh, one of the things that we know about the shepherds is, well, shepherds are not, I mean, they have to hang around sheep, and sheep are, you know, they're, they're, they're disgusting. I mean, they're, they're not, okay, you remember seeing our little sheep? Okay, they look cute, but you get close. You get close to those things. It's like, ew. Uh, but... Shepherds were, they were uh, the dregs of society. You know, they just, they just, you know, that's what you do when you just really can't do much of anything. You just become a shepherd. And um, they, they actually couldn't, um, they couldn't give uh, testimony in court. So they were that low on the, the social totem pole that they couldn't even give testimony in court because they were, they were just considered low life. And, um, uh, they, they, they were known to help themselves to the sheep. So they, you know, they were considered thieves, too. So, um, so that was, you know, they just, you know, this, God reveals himself to the, you know, the lowest rung of society, pretty much. And another interesting point, it actually has absolutely nothing to do with the message, but the, um, in the region, you know, they, you know, they were in Bethlehem, and, and the shepherds were in the region of Bethlehem, and the region of Bethlehem uh, belonged to the temple. So these were temple sheep whose purpose was, was for sacrifice. Interesting, huh? A little uh, prophetic, you know, underlinings there that uh, the shepherds were, were tending the sacrificial sheep. So, yeah, there's an interesting point. 
So they have, they have this amazing experience. They, they had a religious experience. Peace, they, 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 the, the hosts, the millions of angels say, peace to men on whom his favor rests. Okay, so you get that, that peace that you want, that peace in your life that you're going after, uh, you only get it when God's favor rests on you. Okay? Uh, here's the difficult part. Um, God's favor is something that you have to work for. Grace is free. Salvation is free. But favor is something completely different altogether. And maybe we can get into that. But uh, you can't get peace until God's favor is resting on you. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning him, what had been told them about this child. And all who heard were amazed. Okay, remember I just said the shepherds were the lowest of the low in society? Okay, they have this, they have this incredible religious experience where heaven is literally opened up. And, and then they, and they you know, go, go and see the child. This is going to be the sign. You're going to find him in a food trough, you know, wrapped in a blanket or whatever. And so that, that, that gets confirmed. And so they, they, they are the very first evangelists in the New Testament. They, they just begin to tell everybody. And what, what's the response? Everyone is amazed. So their testimony is valid. Interesting, huh? For people that, that can't even give testimony in court, their testimony is now valid. People are listening to them and are amazed at what they're saying. So it's not just about who these people are. It's about what's coming out of their mouth that people are resonating with. Does that make sense? It's like, you know, you know, you could be telling somebody truth and they might not believe you because you have the reputation of being a liar. And you can be a liar, but be so convinced of something that everybody believes you. And that's what's going on. They're, they're convinced. Not only are they convinced, but everybody is amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And here's the key to the whole message today. This is it. And there's going to be two points inside of it. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Okay, so there's a, there's a contrast that, that's being made here in this scripture that we usually read right over it. There's, um, there's shepherds who are just, they're telling everybody. And then there's the mother of God, who doesn't, who doesn't, doesn't say anything. At least it's not what is, is being communicated in the scripture. She kept these things in her heart and she pondered them. What does that mean? Why didn't she want to tell the world what, what was going on in her body and what she experienced? This is the mother of God. Why? 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 Why is she quiet? And this is, this is what we're really going to get into because, uh, like I said in the beginning, probably the greatest 
human that walked the planet. Well, they say that John the Baptist is, but okay, well, whatever. Uh, I'm going to go with Mary today. I'll change my mind later. Okay, so she pondered these things in her heart. Uh, later, you know, after Jesus is born, they, they're going to do the, the, the traditional thing where they take the, the child to, to see the priest, to get cleansed, to be circumcised. That's a lot of fun. But they, they, you know, they take the kid, um, you know, they take the kid to, do the, to go through the right motions and they present him to the priest at the temple. And there was a man, Simeon, who, uh, who was a godly man and he was told that before he crossed over to the other side that he was going to experience the Messiah, that he was going to meet Jesus, that he was going to meet God in the flesh. So he had this revealed to him. And so when they take him in, the Holy Spirit prompts Simeon to go to temple that day. He says, this is it. You're going to meet him. And, and so this, it's, a, it's a beautiful, it is a beautiful image that this man that has been so faithful to God's word and to Torah and, and, and just, you know, knowing who God is finally gets to hold God in his hands. Because last week we talked about the concept that, um, that Jesus wasn't just Messiah. He just wasn't just the Savior, the rescuer of the people of Israel. Uh, he was, what was he? He was Emmanuel. He was God with us. He was God in the flesh. And so this man has this incredible opportunity before he dies to hold the Christ child in his hands. Okay, but then he does something complete. I mean, he goes beyond that and he speaks he speaks prophetically, or he speaks words of encouragement into Mary and Joseph. And this is, this is what it says. And I, I have been, I've been struggling with this verse for quite a bit. Uh, verse 33. The child's father and mother marveled at what uh, was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them. That's good. And said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that thousands of hearts may be revealed and this is the difficult part and a sword will pierce your own soul too what does that mean so he's he's, he's speaking he blesses both Mary and Joseph but he speaks directly to Mary he he's you know Joseph's kind of you know, he's kind of out of the picture. He's going after Mary. He's got something to say to her or something to speak into her heart. And, and so he kind of gives a really, really tight snapshot of Jesus' ministry right here. He's saying, you're going you're gonna to go in and you're going to divide Israel. You're going to, I mean, some people are going to believe you. Most people aren't. This is, this, is, this is your purpose. This is, this, is, this is the purpose of this child. He's going to do these things. Uh, and then he says, so that the, through, uh, excuse me, so that through of many hearts will be revealed. So the thought, excuse me, the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. So uh, Jesus' purpose is to go after what is in men's hearts. Specifically, the people of God, the, the chosen one, the Israel. So he's going after what is really in your heart. I'm, I'm going to get it. We're going we're to reveal it all. And this part about, think about this. He looks into Mary and he says, 
and a sword is going to pierce your soul. What does that mean? I don't know if I fully understand the meaning of this scripture, but I'll, I'll give it my best shot. He, he talks about the thoughts of the men's, of, you know, the hearts, and then he says that Jesus is going to be a sign that people are going to speak against. Uh, look at it this way. You are going to be, you're going to be a target. Your son is going to be a target that people are literally going to shoot at. And he's going, he, he's going to experience this pain. And probably the best way that, that, that I can explain it is um, the, the pain and the agony that Jesus is going to go through, uh, Mary is so connected to her son that she's going to feel the same stuff. Maybe moms can relate to that. You know, your, your kid hurts. I, I put my mom through a lot of pain. I'll just be honest. I mean, I... <laughs> I, I, I feel sorry for my mom because I was always I, doing stupid things, uh, hurting myself, jumping off of buildings, um, running off to Mexico when I was 16, uh, just doing, I know. So I put my mom through a lot of grief. I put myself in a lot of danger. Um, and so she, being a mom, experienced those, that, Moms, you get it, right? Okay. So this, I'm going to, it's going to pierce your soul. It's going to pierce your soul. Um, life after this, this becomes normal. They, 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 they do this thing. They, they run off to, to Egypt to hide a little bit. But there's, life, is, life just kind of goes on. You know, this, this religious experience, this supernatural thing of, you know, the heavens opening up and the nativity, uh, that, that huge, you know, rock show in the sky, it just, that was it for a long time. That was it. There was, no, there was no more, as far as the scriptures tell us, there was no more expression of the kingdom of God on the planet after that for a long time. We don't know what happened with the shepherds. They told everybody, but we don't, nothing, as far as we know, nothing came of it. There was no great revival. There was, there was, there was just life going on as normal. Joseph and Mary had to become parents. And, and for as far as we know, they're really good parents. I mean, you, you, see, you see Mary, you see her character. We're going to get into that in a second. Joseph was a good dad. He, he saved Jesus' life at least twice that we know of. So he, you know, he, they, they hightailed it out of Israel and went down to Egypt to hide because God revealed to Joseph through a dream that Herod was going to kill kids. And then when Herod died, Archelaus, his son, took power. And so, again, uh, Jesus spoke to Joseph, you know, go back up, go home. And so he went home, and, and, and God spoke to Joseph and said, all right, still not quite safe. You need to, go, you need to go hide out here for a little bit. And so once again, Joseph does what any good father does, and he protects his family. He protects his kid. And so great, great parents. Think about, um, think about Mary. And, uh, okay, this is a, in reality, Joseph was probably 17 or 18 years old. Mary was probably 15 or 16, maybe even younger. 
Culturally, that's just not cool, right? That's like we would, you know, we would report stuff like that. But, um, okay, just think about those that you have teenage daughters. Just put that in the mindset. This, uh, you know, she has a baby at a very young age. And not only that, you know, she gets visited by an angel and says, you know, you're highly favored. You're highly favored. There's that word favor again. Just let it roll around in your mind. You're highly favored, and, and the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. You're going to conceive through the Holy Spirit. Her experience is, you know, they, they, they do this, this journey, and then two years after the birth, after the nativity, is when the Magi show up. You know, we, we use some artistic license here, okay? We just... You know, we all kind of combined it. But uh, they, they, they showed up when Jesus was probably about two years old. And so you, ha- you still have a young mother, a young teenager. And all of a sudden, um, it's not stinky, poor shepherds. It is the intellectual elite of the world. It is the richest people on the planet. Do you think that the divide between the world's wealthiest and the poor are extreme today? Back then, that was it. Or basically, you were a slave or you were a king. I mean, the, the, the divide was huge. There was no middle class. There was no bourgeoisie. It was you were rich or you're poor. That, that's it. And so this, uh, this young teenage girl all of a sudden has magi show up to her doorstep and they just dump gold right there in front of her. Frankincense and myrrh, expensive stuff. She's probably never smelled it before. And she has, she has the attention of the world's elite. What's the temptation for a girl like that? I'm the mother of God. I'm gonna be queen of the universe. That was probably her temptation. She could, she could, she could, uh, you know, she could have like made Jesus like the 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 princess and what are the tiaras and what is that show called? What is that? What is it? Toddlers and tiaras. So she could have made, you know, she could have, she could have, she could have profited it off her son. She could have made him. You know, oh, I got the attention of these guys. They're giving me lots of gold. Let's run with this. Let's make a TV show about it. You know, virgins that uh, miraculously conceive. And, you know, she could have been queen. She could have, she could have lived in palaces. What's the scripture tell us? She, she, she kept her mouth shut. So instead of talking about the promise that came through her, she kept them in her heart. She treasured the deeper meanings of who Jesus was. And she went after a normal life. Life as usual. Jesus just, he grows up. He's an average guy. He got a job. He would have, he probably would have went to school. So he probably would have went to little Hebrew boys school. Um, this is interesting because the, the Bible tells us, they, they, they tell us what he did. He was, a, he was a tecton. Your Bible might say he was a carpenter, but the, the, the Greek word for that is tecton, meaning one that works with his hands. 
So he could have, maybe he was a carpenter. He could have been a stone worker. He could have been a metal worker. We don't, we don't know exactly what he did. We just know that he worked with his hands. This is interesting because, um, you know, you'd send all your little Jewish boys to school, and if they were really smart, then they would make it into, uh, you know, they, they'd go to college, right? They'd get the, they'd get the scholarship. They send the gifted kids to, to, to you know, to college, to be great rabbis, to be, you know, leaders of the nation. Uh, Jesus was a tecton. How did Jesus flunk out of uh, Bible school, you know? <laughs> there, there might be some de- debate on that, but we do know he was, a, he was a tecton. Worked with his hands. He wasn't the gifted kid. Well, he was, but obviously no one recognized his potential to send him to, to, to college. Uh, there's, there's some thought, he was 30 years old, um, there's some scholarly thought that, you know, that is the age that rabbis began their, their, their ministry, with, it was at the age of 30. But it wasn't just that, there's the, like multiple levels on different ages, you know, 12, 19, 20, and 25. Uh, if he was really in the school of becoming, uh, you know, an official rabbi, um, he would have been married at the age of 18 which he wasn't. And so there's some other things that we just don't know. But, you know, so I'm, you know, part of me, I'm, I'm filling in the gaps, but um, he is referred to as, as rabbi, as a teacher in the scriptures. But uh, as an official title, that one's kind of up for debate. Was he, was he an official rabbi? We're not quite sure. There are people that address him as rabbi and other people that don't. So some people saw what was on him, some people didn't. Anyway, but that's, that's the, basically he was a tecton, worked with his hands, okay? Life as normal. Uh, and again, Mary and Joseph were good parents, except one exception, that one time when they lost him, they, they lost their child. He was 12 years old. You know, you, always, you wonder what your purpose in life is. You know, what does God want me to do? If only I knew what my purpose in life was. Well, Mary and Joseph, their purpose in life was to raise God. Pretty, pretty straightforward, pretty simple. They had clear direction. You know, get, heaven literally opened up for them. They pretty much they had angels speaking, saying, this is what you are to do. This is your to-do list. Your life is really simple. Just raise God. Just be responsible parents. And, and, uh, and you know, it's, it's Jesus' bar mitzvah. He's 12 years old. And they take this family trip down to Jerusalem. And they... They leave him there. They lost him. I, I, this is, how do you do this? One, you have one job in your life, just to take care of God, to take care of Jesus. You, you don't lose track of him. You don't, that's a, uh, again, I put my mom through a lot of hell growing up. I was the kid that would run away in the, in the, the department store and hide in the racks and uh, I thought it was fun. <laughs> I know. Uh, then the security guard would find me and over the loudspeaker, uh, Mrs. Kapczynski, we have your son at the information center. If you could please come back and retrieve your son. So I know. Lost, his, lost their son. Now, um, we don't really know whose fault it was. Um, but the scriptures go silent in regards to Joseph. 
we have no more reference to Joseph after this. So I'm going to deduce that it was Joseph's fault that uh, he, uh, he, he probably let Uncle Buck watch him for a while. And what? You let Uncle Buck watch Jesus? What are you thinking? And he just, there's no more reference to Joseph after this. They, they, they come back. They're looking everywhere, and they find Jesus in the temple. He is uh, asking questions. So he's got the scholar's attention. He's asking questions. And not only is he asking questions, he, the way that it comes across is that he is actually instructing them because they are amazed at his understanding and his insight. They're taking notes. And mom and dad are, are blown away at what he's saying. And, and, and this is, Mary attempts to discipline Jesus. I don't know how you discipline Jesus. But at this point, she says, where have you been, son? We have been looking everywhere for you, and you are driving your dad and I crazy. You're making us anxious, how it comes across. Where have you been? And Jesus simply replies, I've been in my father's house. Not my adopted dad, Joseph's house. I've been in my father's house. I'm about my father's business. I am, I'm understanding what his will is. 12-year-old child. Um, uh, chapter 2, verse 51. Jesus grows. He grows in wisdom and stature and favor. 51. He went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient. So this is after, you know, mom tries to discipline God. Um, he went down to Nazareth and was obedient to them. But here's again, here, we, here it comes again. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. There it is again. So she doesn't go home and say, guess what? My gifted son teaches rabbis, and he's only 12. What can your son do? Yeah, she doesn't, like, put the bumper sticker on her car, you know, honor roll student, right? I think my dad put the bumper sticker on our car that said, my son can beat up your honor roll student. Uh, no. I, 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 don't, I don't think I ever made honor roll. Maybe once. But anyway, um, but you see what she's doing, okay? Again, she sees the potential in her son, and, and she keeps it. She treasures it, and she ponders it in her heart. A lesser woman wouldn't do this. A lesser woman would be, all right, let's figure out how to make some money off this kid. I've been, <laughs> I've been poor long enough. Let's, let's, let's get this thing working for us. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and men. I don't know how that works, but that's what the Bible says. Jesus grew in favor with God and men. It's oh, weird. Okay. So we have, we have Mary that this just, she just takes a completely different approach than, say, the shepherds would. The shepherds have a religious experience Mary's after the deeper things. She's after, she wants to go further up and deeper into to, to who Jesus is. She wants to understand what does it mean that a sword is going to pierce my soul? What does it mean? I, 
I'm going to understand what Jesus is up to. She's highly favored by God, as the angel said. Joseph wasn't. Uh, Joseph didn't ponder these things in his heart. Now, Joseph wasn't the mother of God, obviously, but uh, these, she's the one that just, she's, she's thinking about these things. She's pondering these things. And you see her character come through. Okay, do you see, God, do you see Mary's character being expressed? This is why she's highly favored. Okay, good. Well, I know. All right, back on track here. Um, there's two points that I want to make on this. Before I get there, let's, uh, let's turn to Matthew 13. Uh, we'll start at verse 3. This is uh, one of Jesus' famous parables. This is where he is a grown-up man. He's no longer a baby. He's a man, and he's teaching. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. The soil was shallow. Keep note of that. But when, he, when the sun came up and the plants were scorched and they withered because, uh, because they had no root, other seed fell among the thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it would produce a crop. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, whenever this parable is, is taught, and, and me included, I've taught this way, it usually refers to, uh, to salvation. Like some people are going to hear God's message and receive it. Some people won't, and they're going to go to hell and die. Um, you know, that's, it's usually how it framed. it's framed, and I, I've, I've done the same. It's, you know, it's... You know, some people receive God's word. They get super excited about God. And then a year later, they're back in their own lifestyle. And I think that that's, a, that's an appropriate um, teaching on this scripture. But there's actually more. I, this scripture isn't a parable necessarily about salvation. This, this parable is about us. And it's about you know, the seed is, is God's word. And the soil is our hearts. Okay, so now just take your mind out of, out of the parable of it being about salvation and think about it as being God's promise for you, God's word for you in your life, the dreams that God has, has planted in you. And this is the truth about every single person in this room, every single person that God has found favor on, every single person that God's called. Uh, quite honestly, every person that's on the planet, has a, God has a dream for their life. God has, has, a, has a purpose. He's got a, he's got a vision. And he's going to sow his divine dream into our hearts. Okay? The seed is the word of God. Jesus is Logos. He is word. He was word before he was ever flesh. 
okay? And so when we get seed that's thrown on us, it's thrown on our hearts. And it is the condition of our heart that determines whether it's going to grow or not. The seed's free. The, the, the seed is grace. The, the, the condition of our, our soil is completely up to us. We're responsible for tending our own soil. What, what is it? What is it exactly? How do you know if, if seed is going to take? Uh, that's, this is a, this is, I think this is an important verse. Uh, this is James chapter 1. We'll start at 21, verse 21, James 1, verse 21. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent. Okay, now that has absolutely nothing to do with my message, but if you have moral filth and evil in your life, just get rid of it. Okay, that's, that's another message. But this is the part that is the message. And humbly accept the word planted in you. All right, so what should be the condition of our heart? What should be the condition of our soil? Humble. Humble. In humility. You see, if we don't have Mary's heart, a, a pure, innocent, humble, childlike faith, backed up with character, it, it, the, the seed, it might, it, it might, it might stick it might hit you. You might grasp a God's promise and his word and his dream for your life, and it might go down, but your soil might be too shallow. You might, you might be shallow how? Or you just, you want to be blessed by God, but you're not willing to ponder these things in your heart. You're not willing to go deeper in. You're not willing to, to see what the treasure is. And so the condition of our heart, it, it, it's, it's churned up by, by humility. Seed won't take unless we're humble. You might, get a, you might get a sudden burst. You know, God might do some work in you. But if you're not willing to tend your soil, to loosen up your heart, make sure that it doesn't get hard. You've heard this term, the hardening of the heart. See, the hardening of the heart isn't as make you a grumpy person. The hardening of the heart it pushes Jesus back from having his dreams come true in your life. He says, eh, I don't want you in my life. I'm going to hang on to this hardness. I'm going to hang on to the bitterness. And uh, I'm going to hang on to my pride. And I'm going to do things my way. And... I'm not going to soften my heart. That's what he's saying here. Let's, uh, I want to go back to Matthew real quick again. Um, because, again, it seems like this is a salvation message. But he actually tells us what it's about. The knowledge, this is uh, verse 11, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will to give more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not ha have, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to you in parables. Uh, though they seeing, they do not see. Through hearing, they do not hear or understand. 
In them is fulfilled the, prof the, the prophecies of, I of Isaiah. You will ever be hearing, but never understanding. You will ever be seeing, but never perceiving. Okay, here it comes. Underline, get your pens out. For the, his people's hearts has become calloused. They, hard, they hard, hardly hear with their ears, and they have uh, closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and with their ears and understand with their hearts. Did you catch that? What do you understand with? You understand with your heart. Not your mind, your heart. And turn, I would heal them. See, the, the message, that the, the scripture that I read in James, that's, that message is, is not for the unbeliever. The message is for the believer. See, you as a believer, you're good to go, all right? You've been graced into heaven. Good for you. Good job. There's more, all right? There's, there's a lot more. Salvation isn't the end of the game here. Finding and fulfilling God's dream for your life is the end of the game. Salvation is step one. Understanding what the promise is for your life is the next step. All right, let's get back to Mary. Let's get back to the, let's get back to the seed that was planted in her, the conception. See, she, she was impregnated by a promise that she kept and treasured in her heart for 30 years. 30 long years. It's two points that I want you to keep track of on this message. Time, patience, perseverance. You know, what would it have been like if she took her 12-year-old son and said, all right, boy, let's do some miracles. Let's, 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 let's heal some folks. Let's multiply some fish. Let's do this thing. I can't wait. Let's go. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Hmm? You know, sometimes your promise and your dream, your purpose is an infant form or it's an adolescent form. It's not ready to, to take on legs and do what it's supposed to do yet. You need to nurture it some more. You need to tend it some more. You need to be, you need to take God's dream for your life and treasure it and take care of it, okay? And it could take time, 30 long years of no kingdom expression. Mary had the character to understand that. She had, she had the character to understand that, there, that the miracle was in the process, that it was going to take time, that his time had not yet come. Jesus, uh, Jesus gets baptized at the age of 30, and something happens at his baptism. Uh, just, like, just like it happened at the nativity with the, with the angels, where heaven opens up, and you get this glimpse of a heavenly host, millions of angels. Well, Jesus gets baptized, and heavens open up, and the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus in the form of a dove. Here is my son, in whom I am well pleased. God speaking, Holy Spirit revealed in the form of the dove, Jesus incarnate, the Word, 
Logos in flesh. Trinity. Holy Trinity right there. It's a beautiful picture. So Mary has knowledge of this probably. Jesus uh, begins to do the circuit a little bit. You know, he begins to collect some of his disciples and he's he's beginning to do some teaching and and traveling. Mary understands this. uh, Jesus shows up to the party, to the wedding. Okay, there hasn't been a single miracle yet. There has no, there has been no signs and wonders. There's been no walking on water. There's nothing. But Mary sees that he is now engaged in ministry. Okay, 30 years and you, you, you know, okay, again, Maybe, you know, you just, you just don't function as a rabbi at the age of 30. I kind of disagree with that. Even at that, Messiah, not just a rabbi, Messiah. Okay, everybody knew who Alexander the Great was. Alexander the Great conquered the entire known world at the age of 21. They expected Messiah to do the same. My son hasn't done anything yet. So she, but, but Mary didn't go there. She didn't go there. She's like, there's a, there's a process to this. There's a timing to this. And now that he's engaged in ministry, we're at this party, and I, I'm assuming, again, I'm reading into the text, but I'm assuming that she is like the wedding coordinator because they, they ran out of wine. They run out of wine. And Mary petitions Jesus for the first miracle, the first one that happens. And uh, uh, what is Jesus' response? Jesus' response is, woman. Uh, it doesn't call her mom. says, woman. What, what do you, really? Don't you know who I am? I, I, don't do, I don't do these parlor tricks at parties. I don't do card, I don't do card tricks. I'm Messiah. Why are you bothering with me with this? This is not yet my time. And Mary does something that is very interesting. Uh, she <laughs> Remember we talked about last week about nonverbal communication? We don't know what is said. We can only imagine what was communicated nonverbally because she looks to the servants and she says, you just do whatever he tells them to do. Okay? So somehow Mary communicates with God the Father because Jesus only does things that God the Father tells him to do. She communicates with God the Father. She petitions him for this miracle. And, and basically what she says is, I believe it's your will that this wine, this water is turned into wine. And God says, good idea. Okay, yeah, actually that is my will. So we'll, we'll go with that. That's my will. And Jesus does it. Wait, really? So she, she, she calls her marker out. This is what I want. And I guess she has the character, and she can, she can do it. I mean, really, she can do it. I don't think I would ever, I would never go that far. I mean, but again, this is a woman of character. This is a woman that has waited 30 years to see her son in his full potential. And mom, mom released him into his supernatural ministry. I talked about this, I don't know, several months ago that I did the same scripture that, um, he honored his mom, and that released him into ministry. It was this expression of honor that, that, that released his supernatural ministry that gave favor to the to situation. Interesting. 
But um, all right, so ponders these things, and and then she 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 calls. She makes the call, and she releases Jesus, or she doesn't release, but she approaches Jesus in her faith, and then the whole thing just takes off from there. And then we get all the great Bible stories, and we get the signs and wonders and the miracles. And then we see things really starting to flow. Jesus, Jesus had, obviously he had a lot of followers. One group of his followers was family. We know that Jesus had four brothers, uh, Judas, Simon, uh, Joseph Jr., and Judas, Simon, Joseph, and uh, James. So he had four brothers. He had some sisters. They're not named. We don't know how many he had. But what we do know is that family decided to follow him, including mom. Now, if you're going to uh, convince people that you're God, it might be easy to do like on TV and stuff like that. But to convince your family that you're God, to convince that your brothers and sisters that you're God is a different story altogether. Like I might be able to, I don't know, you know, tell people that, I don't know, I pull some sh- you know, shenanigans and be a charlotte and, and, and trick people and stuff like that. But my sister would never buy it. You kidding me? My sister can read through my stuff in a heartbeat. She knows exactly the things that I'm thinking. And, you know, it's just so. So not only do his brothers and mother follow him, uh, they die. They become martyrs for him. You know, you got all kinds of people that, that worship Elvis Presley. What do you think his family thinks of him? Ah, that's just Elvis. You know, that's just the kid that drove us crazy. That says something about the validity, validity of our scripture and the validity of, of who Jesus is. But I'm going to get back to Mary again. She was there at his birth. She pondered these things in her heart. She was there when he's 12 years old and he, he, he taught, you know, the, the scholastic elite. She pondered these things in her heart. She, she recognized Jesus coming into his supernatural ministry and then she follows him the rest of his life all the way to the cross. She was there when he was born. She was there when he died. And she was there when he resurrected. All right, do you see it? There's no mention of shepherds at the cross, people that have a religious experience. Maybe they were there or not. I don't think so. It's definitely not in the scriptures. But do you see what our walk should be? It, 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 you, have to, you have to be willing to embrace this, this, this spiritual walk, this process, this, this gift, this, this thing that God's spoken into your life, and it could take years. Maybe God said, I'm going to give you a spouse. You just have to wait 30 years. I'm going to, I'm going to heal your body in my timing. I don't like that. I just, I, just, just do it now. Come on. I, I, I go for that every, each and every time. God, if it's in your timing, I pray that you heal this person. I I don't do that. But it could be true. 
I don't know. It could be your process. You treasuring the things in your heart. Maybe there's the, the season of jubilee that is, that is upon you where you're financially things are going to turn around for you. There's that, there's that promise that, that you heard. Maybe it was years ago. Maybe it was in this sanctuary where God spoke to you and said, we're going to take care of this in your life. And it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. What would Mary do? Would Mary, man, this Jesus thing, it's all, <laughs> did, did she do that? Did she turn her back? No, she, she went through the process. See, your, your miracle, your, your, your provision, your, your, your purpose, your, your blessing, it could be an infant form still. It could be an adolescent form still. So there's that, that whole process that we have to go through. That's one point. And then the other point is, what's the condition of your soil? Point one, don't go after the, don't go after the light show. Don't go after the, the religious experience. Go after the deeper things of Jesus. Go further in, deeper up. Or deeper in, further up, whatever. Just, that's what's important, is understanding the mysteries of who Jesus is. The, the, the religious experience is secondary. Go further up, further in, and know the condition of your soil. That's your responsibility. All right, if I could have the band come on up to the front. As they're on their way up, I have one little small verse I want to share with you. Hebrews. What is it? Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. It says, We do not want you to become lazy but to imitate those through faith. Okay, you know it's okay to imitate others that have faith? We, can, we are encouraged to model our spiritual walk after Mary. And here's the important part. And patience, through faith and patience. I don't, you don't like that word, do we? Patience. Uh, inherit what has been promised. Faith and patience in order to inherit your promise. So I, what, what, what's your pro, what, what has God promised you? This is, this is another topic, too. Make sure this, it's from God. You know, what is your dream? Well, your, your dream might stink. You know, it might be your dream. And it's, you know, it might be bad. Do you have God's promise sewn into you? Are you willing to take the time to see it come to fruition? And are you willing to tend your own soil? I'm going to have the ushers to come to the front. You know, it has been, again, it has been an interesting year. Um, I know a lot of your lives. And a lot of people have faced some very difficult things this year. But I've also seen absolutely amazing breakthrough and miracles on all different types of levels, financially, health, relationally. And 
you know, when you consider the rest, when you consider your year, when you do that panoramic of how did I do this year, I, I guarantee you, your mind is going to, it's going to immediately go to your failures. It's going to immediately go to your pain, and it's going to immediately go to all your shortcomings and your, and your insecurities. All right, just take, take a quick reference of that and then jump to God's blessings in your life this past year because he has done an amazing work in this church and I want you to give God praise and honor for his blessings this year. The church has been no different. We've, we, this has probably been the toughest year financially our church has ever experienced. But I have seen breakthrough. I have seen God providing. I have seen this, this supernatural stuff just happen, my personal life and in the church life. So I want to encourage you, church, and I want to thank you, church, for investing in the kingdom of God. Don't give up. Don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on the dream for your ministry. Don't give up on the dream for your church. God's not done with you yet. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this, this year, God. We, we give this year to you as an offering, God. All, all, all aspects of it. We give you our pain. We give you our failures. We give you our discouragements and our insecurities, and we offer that to you. But we also want to offer you and thank you and praise you for being the God that provides. The God that, that, that provided magi, that gave us gold so that we could flee to Egypt. God, thank you for being a God that is intimately involved in our life. Reveal to our hearts what the secrets of, our, of, your, of, your, of your son and what he truly did for us. And I pray that we won't be after the religious experience, but we'll be after the relationship with him. Bless this offering. Transform us. Amen.